Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today is my friend, Doreen Virtue. Doreen, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast, friend. Hi, Dave. It's great to be with you and everyone yeah. who's watching and listening. Yeah, it's great. to. We're, we're excited to have you back today. Well, can you uh, catch us up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and you know any current ministry projects or anything like that that you're working on? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, I'm currently in my last semester for my master's in uh, biblical and uh, theological studies, and I have to write 15 essays for a very tough professor. So that's keeping me busy this summer. And, yeah. uh, and of course, doing um, sharing the gospel on social media and talking to people who write to me on Instagram about why the new age cannot blend with Christianity. There's their polar opposites. So just working um, as God gives me the opportunity to point people to Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. That you just said something so important, and I know we're going to talk about it today, blending new age theology with Christianity. And I remember when I was at, uh, when I lived in your neck of the woods, you know, growing mm-hmm. up there in Seattle, there was this guy and I was trying to work with him, trying to talk with him. He was very interested in Christianity, but it became very evident that he wanted to mix, you know, Eastern mysticism with Christianity. Yep. And we A both lot of people know- do. And it's it's really, you know, it's totally incompatible. But he had a lot of good questions. It, what He wasn't, uh, he didn't lack for intelligence or anything like that. But um, it's, it's a good start for our conversation here mm-hmm. today. Because guys, Doreen's going to talk with us about the dangers of yoga and a biblical worldview. And, you know, uh, I don't know really much about this. So I'm, I'm excited to, to learn from your experience. And, uh, and uh, yeah those things. So can you tell us a bit about the history of yoga and how it started? Absolutely. Well, I just want to preface this by saying I did yoga for 20 years when I was in the new age. And today I would not even step on a yoga mat. And yoga is not what everyone wants to argue who uses it, that it's not just exercise. It's not just stretching. Uh, This is a pagan practice. And I want to uh, show the proof of that and why this is dangerous for Christians and why there's alternatives that you can really stretch and you can exercise uh, and feel good and lose weight and all those seeming benefits of yoga. But the history goes back to the scripture for Hinduism called the Vedas, V-E-D-A-S, where these yoga poses, they're called asanas, um, are bowing down and giving uh, homage to, there's millions of Hindu deities and demons. And so it is their way of worshiping and also um, kind of assuaging the demons. The people who are still practicing Hindus in India are floored that Christian Americans would use yoga. It just does not Mm. compute um, because they know that this is a religious practice. It's a Hindu practice and it cannot be redeemed. There's Christians who want to argue that uh, you can put scripture over it or you can 
call it holy yoga or gospel yoga or Christian yoga, and that redeems it. That's it's like trying to call Ouija board Christian Ouija board or holy Ouija board. It doesn't work that way, and it's not just stretching. It's not just exercising. So the history um, from the Vedas, it was brought over to America first by a man named Swami Vivekananda in the late 1800s, and he brought it over first um, as a religion, not so much the physical component. He he brought over the um, the 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 mind, you know, spirit component of yoga, and also um, it was popularized in the beginning of the 1900s by a man named Yogananda Paramahansa Yogananda, who's got uh, a couple of temples, one in Encinitas and one in the Los Angeles area, uh, that are all about immersing yourself in the yoga culture and the belief was that this would give you inner peace. Now, you and I know that the only path of peace is the Prince of Peace, Jesus, and that any other path is going to maybe give you like a temporary sense of tranquility, uh, it might give you a little boost or a high, like a sugar high, but it's not going to give you lasting peace like being saved by Jesus would. Amen. So, um, yeah, so it's it appeals to people who have not read the Bible. It appeals to people who have the coexist bumper sticker, um, who believe in universalism um, uh, and that all paths lead to God, which of course we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. And all other paths are idolatry and, and paganism and therefore an abomination to God. Um, so Yoga, what I find is people who are professing Christians who do yoga, they they don't know that this is an abomination. They don't, they haven't researched it enough. So by saying this, I'm not judging the people who are doing it. God would, of course, because God calls people who do pagan practices an abomination, Deuteronomy 18. But um this is a video done with truth in love for people who may not be aware, like I wasn't in the new age, that every single pose is a, a bow or um, mimicking a different deity. So for instance, the most popular series in yoga is called the sun salutation series. Every yoga class features this. You, 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 you hang down, you bow down, uh, you put your arms up, uh, you're honoring the sun in an idolatrous way, um, and you're posing like a snake, chaturanga. And then there's this three poses called the warrior series, warrior one, two, and three. Um, and the, 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 the Hindu religion uses this ancient language called Sanskrit. It's one of the oldest languages around Sanskrit um, names of these different deities and demons are used for the different poses. So, uh, in the warrior series of the sun salutation series, um, the warrior series are called um, Virabhadrasana and asana means the pose and Virabhadras is a demon. And the three poses where you have your arms locked out to the side. So it's not a natural stretch at all. It's very precise stretch. Mm. Um, they're, they're acting out this, this scene from the Vedas where the demon Virabhadras is murdering someone. So you're acting out, a, you're you're being a demon acting out a murder scene in this yoga series that is done in Christian churches, you know, professing Christian churches. It's done in children's yoga classes. It's done by, by women who would never, ever have anything to do with this, but they don't know because they haven't researched. I didn't know. Mm. Um, but people will argue with me, well, 
you know, I would never bow down to a Hindu deity. I would never do that. And I, and I say, I point to scripture where it's, where Paul says that in all things, we are to give glory to God, right? Amen. You prob- right. And so how is it giving glory to God to lock your arms? It's not stretching. It's, it's a real, very uh, precise pose and pretending to be a demon acting out a murder scene. How is that giving glory to our triune God? It's not. It's the opposite. It's giving glory to a demon. And no Christian should have anything to do with it. If you want to stretch, fine, put a towel down on the floor, get on your back and move your knees around. Or I have a friend named Caitlin Engelbert, beautiful woman. um, And we can put her link if you want. Um, She was... She she is a Christian. I mean, she's a solid sister in Christ. And for a season, she was a holy yoga teacher, holy mm. yoga with scare quotes, um, because she thought, like a lot of professing Christian women do, she thought that if she played uh, worship music during the yoga sessions, and, and she was, at the end, she was praying to our Lord, she thought that that would redeem yoga, until she finally, the Holy Spirit convicted her, and her mm. husband, by the way, her husband's Christian, and said, no, you know, what you're doing is an abomination to God. So she repented, and now she does videos on why holy yoga is unholy. And she's got a YouTube channel, Dave, and it's called Non-Yoga Stretches. Mm. And, and and right now she's carrying, I think it's her third child, maybe her fourth. And she's got uh, stretching for women who are you know with child. She's got post-pregnancy yoga, non-yoga stretches. Uh, so her YouTube channel is called Non-Yoga Stretches, and she's got 20 minutes. It's all free of stretching. And that's what people want. They want to stretch because there's a lot of stressful things in this world right now, and you can internalize it. So nothing wrong with stretching. Um, Nothing wrong with exercise, of course. It's good. The Bible tells us to take care of our body. But what's wrong is these specific yoga poses that are acting out these sequences. I mean, in yoga classes, I used to do something called the Krishna pose. And you would um, pretend you were playing a flute and you would pose your knee a certain way. And it looks just like the picture of the, the Hare Krishna people have of their deity, you know. So, and then yoga studios are filled with idols, with with um, statues of all these different deities. And I forgot to say that the word yoga, what it means, it means yoke to the Hindu creator god, Brahma. Mm. So the word yoga itself is blasphemous because it says that you're going to yoke or tie yourself to a, a strange god. It's just, the whole thing is just wrong. Um, in yoga classes, I know I'm talking a lot, so please. <laughs> no, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm passionate. So yes. in yoga classes, right. they t- they teach you to say Sanskrit. So at the end of yoga classes, they have you say namaste. You've probably heard that word. It's kind of now become secularized. So namaste is so blasphemous. I can barely define it, but I must for those who are saying it so they can know and repent. Namaste means the God within me recognizes and honors the God within you. And and so that sounds so beautiful to the new age ear because the new age ear is all about inclusiveness and, and um, you know, pluralism and universalism. Everybody, everybody wins. Everybody goes to heaven. That would be so great if that was true, but it's not. We serve a holy and just God. And throughout the Bible, Jesus says that the cha- the wheat and the chaff will be separated. The sheep and the goat will be separated. And we don't want to be the chaff. We don't want to be the goat. Um, 
it's it's true that we're not saved by our works, but once we're saved, we want to obey God. Jesus himself, uh, John 14, 15 said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And he said the two most important commandments, love God, love your neighbor. So how do we love God? We love God by obeying him, by glorifying him, by trusting him, not by glorifying pagan deities, because we want to stretch our body. We want inner peace. Those are selfish desires. We've got to serve God. We have to be servants of Christ, Man. like uh, you're servants of grace. So <laughs> yoga is just, and then the other thing they do in yoga classes is they do uh, chanting of the Om and oh, it's spelled O-H-M. And then there's this Om um, kind of symbol from Sanskrit language that's on the studios. It's usually all over the walls. Um, many yoga mats have it. Women will wear it on their yoga clothes, along with the picture of the elephant, Ganesha, who's supposed to be the overcomer of obstacles from Hinduism. You know, so you're you're just immersed in Hinduism. And the Aum that is chanted in these yoga classes is supposed to be the sound of the universal creation instead of our personal God, instead of the God of the Bible. Mm. It's 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 blasphemous and it's heresy to chant to this unknown God, this strange fire. It's very spiritually dangerous to get involved with yoga. Yes. I think one thing that when I was thinking about this episode is, and that was just awesome what you shared is that you know so many people say i'm spiritual and they're mm -hmm. what they're seeking is they're not people today think that people today are seeking for truth but they're seeking for truth in the wrong you know way but what it should show us isn't that you know we should be discouraged by things that are happening, you know, people are seeking truth in those things. But what it should show us is, is that we have the answer that, that, that they're seeking. And so that right. should actually, that should actually encourage us, not encourage us that they're seeking for truth outside of it, but encourage us that we have the truth and it should make us bold. It should, it should, uh, give us, um, we should be praying uh, in the word and in the word daily. And that what that'll do is it'll give us that boldness to speak the truth and love. You know, I'm reminded uh, as you're talking, Paul, you know, there was a temp, there was a, there was a idol, the unknown God that Paul found on the road to, um, it was off the top of my head here in Athens. I think it was, he was in Athens and he was walking around looking and he, and he saw a temple to an unknown God, you know, and then he proceeded to explain the gospel. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking of that. Because that's such a big issue. Here's here's a guy that is uh, something that they're seeking. They're doing yoga and they're trying to find meaning and value and purpose in that thing. And yet they're not uh, ever going to find it in that thing. You know, like you said so well, you know, it's OK if people stretch and engage in stretching and, and all of those things. But, you know, true spirituality, it begins with God and it is defined in its word. You know, and <laughs> if you're seeking to meld Christianity and yoga or Easter mysticism or new age or whatever it is, it's not going to work because, I mean, even Jesus himself said that a house uh, divided against itself will not stand. Um, the human heart was created, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God set eternity on our hearts and, and nothing else can satisfy other than you know, the Lord Jesus, and he actually saves. And that's why Jesus, when people, when he started talking this way in John 6, towards the end, you know, people ended up leaving because he was upping the cost 
of following him, you know, and, and so if you're watching this and you think, uh, you know, I think yoga is okay. Consider what Jesus said. He said to count the cost. Actually, what's interesting, if you read Luke 9, 23 through 27, Jesus tells us to pick up the cross and to follow him. And then in Luke 9, 51, Luke tells us that doctor that he set his face towards Jerusalem, meaning that you know, he, he was not turning away from the people, but he's going to turn towards Jerusalem. He's going to die. And then he's going to teach his disciples, much the same as uh, John records in the upper room discourse in John 13 through 17. And anyway, the point here is, is that biblical spirituality um, is totally different than what yoga has to offer, what new age has to offer. And you can't blend mm. or mix right. Christianity with anything. And if you think you can consider the fact of what Jesus said, you have to count the cost. In fact, Jesus even said that, that he would set, you know, family member against family member because of the truth, you know, and, and that's a tough, that's a tough word. Um, but we're talking about the sovereign of the universe, the one who rules and reigns, one who governs our, our lives and governs our cosmos. He's the one who's the creator and Lord. He's the one who is, who alone can save. And if you're professing to be a Christian, you're doubly owned by virtue of him being creator and Lord. And so that's where you're, that's where true spirituality begins, not with mixing things and thinking, oh, well, that's just Christianity. Um, as we're going to talk about here shortly, that's, that's actually not a Christian worldview. So maybe we'll just mm -hmm. go there and, and ask the question, how does yoga oppose a Christian worldview? Yeah. Well, I love that you're emphasizing that we can't blend Eastern mysticism, which is basically the same as New Ageism, with a biblical worldview. And I just want to encourage anyone who's listening who has not read the whole Bible yet. I know it seems intimidating. I know it seems long. Uh, from, from the outside perspective, it can seem boring. But I'm going to tell you, if you will pray for its author, the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Bible for you and read Dave Jenkins' book, The Word Exposed, as a, as a good companion. And you get in there and, and before you do anything, you open that word before you get engaged with the world and just read a chapter. It doesn't have to be a lot. And start with Genesis 1 and just keep going. And there's going to be really rough, upsetting bits because the Bible describes what people are like who are trying to be their own gods, like New Age teaches. And it's ugly. It's, it's upsetting. It's evil when people who like the book of Judges keeps saying over and over, at that time, people had no king and they did what was ever, whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. And you see that so much right now. So yoga, Eastern meditation, which is built on going within, getting answers within, emptying your mind and listening for answers. You're just going to get a combination of your imagination at best. And at worst, you're going to get these spirits like I was deceived with. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And he's good. He's an angel. He's an evil genius. And so by good, I mean, he's really good at fooling people. He fooled me. And so you're going to get messages from your imagination and demons the fallen angels by engaging in this mysticism. And I just want to say it ship shipwrecked my life. Uh, I'm recovering now, trying to put my life back together after 50, what was it, 58 years of that deception. The, mm -hmm. the opposite of Christianity is new age and Eastern mysticism. New age is 
all about glorifying yourself. There's positive affirmations to tell yourself you're wonderful, you're perfect, you're whole, and you're complete, that it's always Genesis 126 over and over and over again. I'm in God's image and likeness. There's nothing wrong with me. Where the Bible takes us past Genesis 126 to Genesis 3, where Eve and then Adam disobeyed God and wanted to be their own gods and following the devil who promised secret wisdom like the new age does. And by doing so, put us all, all of humanity on this path where none of us is righteous, no, not one. And that we're all rebelling against God um, until Jesus gives us a new heart and a new life through his death and sacrifice on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve for our sins. So, you know, in Ephesians 5.11 is one of my go-to verses. It says uh, in the ESV version, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what we're doing today. Um, We're saying, please don't take any part. I know that yoga seems to work. I lost a lot of weight when I was in yoga. My arms were sculpted beautifully, like, like, you know, a movie star doing yoga. I had friends, I had cute clothes. It seemed like I was peaceful. I know that the trappings of the new age are very, they tempt you and they seem to work, but it's temporary. It's temporary. So you'll get this temporary high. um, And it's an unfruitful work of darkness because it fails the test of the spirit that the apostle John gave us in 1 John 4, where we are to test everything against what the Bible says, like the Berean, and we're to see if it confesses Jesus or not. Yoga does not confess Jesus. If it ever did, I, I took classes for 20 years. My best friend in the new age owned a yoga studio. Um, so, I mean, I was really in the culture and it, it, if it ever did confess Jesus, it was the false Jesus, the, the false Jesus who's a universalist. Um, so it fails the test of the spirit. It is a pagan practice that throughout the Bible is condemned as an abomination to God and a violation of the first two commandments that are still in effect today, the moral commandments. So you can tell, just don't get me started on this. It's, um, it is the opposite of the biblical worldview of um, that we are here to serve one triune God and him alone. And we are here to obey him not to get saved because he's a, the work is finished. He's already saved us, but because we love him, uh, we will be obedient. Yeah, that's really good. What you're, what you're saying is that um, whereas a world, a biblical worldview grounds our life in the Bible mm-hmm. and then a biblical life view helps us see the world through the, the biblical worldview. Yoga and new age theology does the opposite. Yep. It helps us see the world in the wrong way and uh, perceive it in, in a wrong life view. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's yoga is often offered in liberal churches um, and progressive churches that, um, that diminish the authority of scripture. And you and I both, both know from a lot of study and because it's been put in our heart by God that that the Bible is the inerrant and sufficient and authoritative word of God. And it's, it is the roadmap for everyone. Um, and we, those, those professing Christians who doubt the Bible or who say that it's a suggestion are walking on very dangerous grounds. Yeah. Well, they follow, they follow a long history in the history of the church that suggests that, you know, our faith is just a feeling and not a fact grounded in history. And that's how you get the wrong Jesus. Because when you, when you come to the Bible and say, suggest that it's a, just a, a feeling, uh, then you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the pro and the yeah. problem becomes is that you're not going to believe what's written in this Bible. Um, you're going to question the Bible, 
and you're going to ridicule the Bible. And that's what we see. Mm -hmm. We see people throwing out huge chunks of the Bible. And what they don't realize is they're actually committing an ancient heresy. Yep. Um, and and that's that's sad. People are like, well, what are you talking about? Well, they're, they're, what you need to understand is that the history of the church is there for a reason. And, and the history of the church tells us a whole long story of how doctrines were developed from the Bible and how we responded to those those things. And when the Bible is the Bible is being questioned, they ended up, you know, coming up with a canon, the 60. They, they mm-hmm. didn't come up with that's not really the right way to say that. They they acknowledged uh the the word of God that was inspired and inerrant, which means that you know it's reliable and trustworthy, it's without error. That's what inerrancy means. And the uh infallibility is even the stronger word. It means without the possibility of error. Um, and it's sufficient, it's for every area of our lives, it's it binding on our lives. And that's that's so important because if you're a Christian and you think, you know, uh, Jay Gresham Machen um, in the 1920s, he wrote a book called uh, Christianity and Liberalism. And in this, he said that this is a whole nother religion. And he's talking about people that deny Jesus the, the virgin birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. the, the Bible itself, the character of the Bible, the purpose of the Bible, the nature of the Bible, all those things. And he says it's a different religion entirely. And that's what we're talking about today. When you blend Christianity with something else, you end up getting a different, uh, you get end up getting a different religion mm-hmm. that denies the Christian worldview, um, you know, and entirely, you know, you could get me fired up talking about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people will say to me, well, Buddha, and Hindus are such nice people. So how, you know, of course they're going to go to heaven and, and I'll say, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nice people who don't believe in Jesus, but they're sinners. Like we are Romans yeah. three 23, we're all sinners and that our good works are like filthy rags in comparison to the holiness of God. And we will be judged by our works, our sins, unless we abide in Jesus, unless we're saved by Jesus. So uh, we care about Hindus. We care about liberal professing Christians who aren't really saved. We, I, I'm speaking for you, Dave. I'm sure you agree with me. It's part of loving your neighbors to tell them the biblical truth and not by not just not to try to comfort people in their sins like the false prophets did when Israel was being threatened to go to Babylon and they were saying, oh, there won't be a problem. You know, God wouldn't do this to us. God loves us because his temple's here. And meanwhile, God is speaking through the genuine prophets like Jeremiah and saying, you guys need to repent right now, or you're going to be in exile for 70 years. And people were so mad at at Jeremiah and the other true prophets because they didn't want to hear what they thought was bad news, but it turns out it's good news, doesn't it? Yeah. And and guys, in second in Second Timothy uh two twenty-four, it says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will now what we often forget is correcting with gentleness and we think well you know i'm gonna just toss my bible at them and put a whole bunch of scripture but that's not correct work. it doesn't it doesn't involve one of my mentors calls this seeing people through the lens of the chief shepherd. And what he means is seeing them rightly, 
as people mm-hmm. made in the image of God and in need of Jesus. And we also know that gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. So mm-hmm. God is going to work. God is working this very thing into your life. Uh, so it does no good. People think, well, I'm going to be what they th- view as contending for the faith is actually often con- being contentious for the faith. Oh, no. yeah. You know, being contentious means I'm going to take this Bible and I'm going to wham whack you up outside <laughs> the head with it. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question, guys. How would you like it if somebody came and whacked you upside the head with the Bible? And that's what you're that's what you many people sadly do. Even apolo- even well-known apologists. I have seen this so many times and it's breaks my heart because you cannot whack somebody upside the head with the Bible. You know, all it's been said, and I agree, all truth is God's truth. That applies to us as Christians too. We have the truth, but it's how we present it. We're not only supposed to speak the truth, we're supposed to speak it in love. And that's what, Mm -hmm. that's what uh, Paul is telling Timothy, his, you know, his young prodigy in the faith. He's supposed to correct people with the truth, but do it in love with gentleness Because why we have to remember the spirit is working in our lives to help us to conform us into the image of Jesus. And one of the main things that he's trying to do is to help us with gentleness. Mm -hmm. That's that's Galatians 5, 22 through 23, you know, and so why? So that they will come to their senses. Now we know that we know that the spirit is the one who ultimately will do this, but God uses his word. Our job is to be faithful to his word. So that's what Paul is saying to Timothy, be faithful to the word. And the spirit is going to come along and use your faithfulness to scripture to open people's eyes that they may come to their senses. They may actually have a sense of reality. Now we need to understand this, that that pe- people who are an heir, they're in opposition to God, but they think they're on God's side, but they're actually at war with God. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that that there's a word for that, that's deception. That's why we're supposed to be so patient and be gentle with people. It matters not only that we present the truth, but how we do it. And we're really good at telling people the truth in the Reformed world. <laughs> I've been a Reformed Christian a long time, but we're not so good at it as how we do it. And so I would just say that we need to, we need to really think about this and we need to read the Bible and we need to read it about how it talks about um, how we're supposed to speak. We're supposed to speak for the upbuilding of one another, especially, but also we're supposed to correct people in love. You know, it, it, Jude 3 tells us to contend earnestly uh, once and for all. Um, you know, for, for the work of the gospel and those types of things, but it doesn't say be contentious. It says to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saint. You know, that means that we go back to scripture and we be scriptural in everything that we, everything that we say, everything that we do. And you know what? The thing is, as I said, something really important earlier is that everybody is spiritual. So that means that everybody is seeking truth. Even when I grew up in Seattle, it was interesting. I'd carry a Bible around and, and I was in high school and people would ask me all sorts of questions. They, they would have questions, mm-hmm. but they knew that I was a Christian and that I took my faith seriously. Um, you know, I had my struggles and all those things in high school and who doesn't as a Christian, but um, they knew that they could ask me questions and they knew that I would give them hopefully a good answer. And because I was aiming to be biblical and to think biblically, and if you're aiming to do that, God's going to give you opportunities to speak. Um, but just make sure that, you know, as you do, that you're being truthful when you don't know the answer, just say, I don't know, but I'll go and find out. And and when you do, make sure that you're being gracious and kind and loving. Um, you know, you never know. You know, they might think about that later. They might be like, huh, that guy was actually pretty nice to me. He was actually pretty helpful to me. He didn't come at me like most Christians and, and try to beat me up. And so 
Those are just some things I think I would I would say to to help us to speak to you know non Christians. They identify they they are very interested, but we have to be real. We have to be authentic, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's I mean even I, I talking to non Christians all the time when I live in Seattle and and those things. I went on the streets, and you know I went to secular college, uh, secular schools growing up. Uh, you know I didn't always go to a Christian school, and I had many friends who were uh, non Christians and and those types of things, and we would have legitimate, honest, open conversation. And so that don't be weirded out by talking to a non-Christian. Just be yourself, be who you are in Christ. And they're another person and they need Christ, but they need to see Christ being formed mm-hmm. in you and, and you, you know, shining the light of Christ. So oh, I'm sure I could say a lot of things about that. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting with your background and God bless you for evangelizing in high school. I wish that I'd had someone evangelize me in high school. That's awesome. Um, I I do want to say that um, I I recently uploaded a video about children's yoga that was a product of about a year's worth of research uh, that I conducted with two women who were involved with children's yoga. Um, It's something that's a real issue, Dave, that schools around America and now other areas are now offering, not even offering, but they have mandatory yoga classes in elementary schools. And, wow. and it's a big concern because uh, they this, this video that I did shows the undercover deception of the yoga industry. So there's this main company that markets to schools and says, you know, we're going to put this yoga into your school and they promise that kids will be calmer and more focused. When actually the, the studies, empirical studies show that the opposite it's true that children have it doing yoga. Um, and Caitlin Engelbert, my friend I referenced earlier, who was the holy yoga teacher, she'll back me up on this, that children who do yoga have more nightmares, enuresis, which means bedwetting, and they have a harder time focusing and their grades go down because of that temporary high and then the crash that comes post-yoga. Um, and so the, this this company, Joyku, um, that's infiltrating the schools, goes in there and says, this is an exercise program. This is not religious. But then on the back end, they tell the government that this is a religious 501c3 program, and they don't have to pay taxes on the buku bucks that they get from parents, not even parents, everyone pays school taxes. So it's taxpayer money they're not paying taxes on because it is religion. And they admit it. There's We've got documentation that they are lying about that to the schools and that they're proud that they are introducing Hinduism to the kids. Because this is how you think when you're a false teacher, like I used to think. So I remember it. You think that you know the truth and that the Christians are just fear-based, narrow-minded, judgmental people. And so you have to rescue the kids from Christianity when you think this way uh, with this new age worldview. And you think, well, I'm going to get the new age to the kids so that they'll be woke like me. And that's what's going on with the mandatory yoga classes that are happening on Zoom for mm-hmm. the virtual classes and in person. And uh, we have solutions. If your kid is in, involved with this yoga and you're a professing Christian family, you've got to get your kids out of the yoga class and you can. And we've got all the steps um, at truthbehindyoga.com and truthaboutyoga.com. These are the two women that I partnered with on this video, or you can go to my video on my YouTube channel. Uh, 
um, that shows the truth about um, children's yoga. And uh, this is this is inculcating our next generation. Not only are they getting raised with CRT and you know liberalism, but now they're getting inculcated with Hinduism that will pull them away from the biblical worldview and will make them into universalists. Guaranteed, that's the their goal. Uh, because this is Satan's trap for our kids. He wants to populate the world with people who will populate hell with him. So it's it's really important to not get your kids involved with yoga. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. That's mm-hmm. really good. Um, how should Christians uh, speak to the topic of yoga? Well, it's it's an addiction, like all the new age methods that feel so good. It hooks you in emotionally. You get invested with your money, your time. And so just like if you were talking to any other kind of addict about their addiction, you can expect to have some pushback. Um, mm-hmm. When when I first was making these anti-yoga videos, boy, the hate mail was overwhelming and people saying, I'm unfollowing you. And, you know, just arguing with me that it's just stretching, it's just exercising, and they would never, ever worship a Hindu deity. And I would say, yeah, but you can't redeem the practice, just like you can't make a Ouija board or tarot into Christian. You you just can't. Um, Nobody calls soccer holy soccer or baseball, Christian baseball. I mean, they might if it's a Christian baseball team, but they don't try to redeem baseball because it's spiritually neutral. Yoga is not spiritually neutral. It is a pagan practice. Same thing as if you went to a pagan temple and you bowed down to the deity statue there. It's identical. Um, so you're going to get pushback, first of all. I always go to prayer for the person. Um, you know, make sure that you've shared the gospel. And one of the best ways to share the gospel with someone who's deceived is to say, can I pray with you? Can I just pray over you? New Agers love to be prayed over. Um, and so that will help the person to drop their defenses a little bit so that they can actually hear the gospel. And just pray sincerely from your heart, but be sure to put the gospel that our Lord and uh, Savior Jesus was fully God and fully man who came to earth to take the punishment that we deserve because we've all sinned and he died on the cross to save us. And then he was taken away from the tomb. He rose from the dead three days later, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and that he will return to judge us all. And so be sure to put that into the prayer lovingly, because New Agers have this phobia of anything they perceive as um, judgment or negativity. And then, you know, the, the God's word does not return void. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So you are, you've got those beautiful feet of the one who delivered the good news then, and the rest is up to the Holy Spirit. We can't save people, but we sure can do what Jesus said. We can go and make disciples and we can share the gospel. Amen. That's really, really good. Where can go uh, people go to find out more about your work online, on social media or otherwise, Fred? Oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Doreen Virtue 4, Jesus, F-O-R, Jesus. Um, that's the same name as my YouTube channel, Doreen Virtue 4, F-O-R, Jesus. And YouTube uh, and Instagram. Um, I'm sort of on Parlor, but I just haven't had time with Seminary and MeWe and all those places. Um, and then Instagram is where people can write to me. I am slow sometimes to respond because I'm the only one receiving and answering letters. Um, But I do my best to respond to all kind letters. Um, At this point, after doing this for four years, I don't respond to people who cuss me out, except for praying for them and deleting them. Um, But, you know, please write me a nice letter and I'll get to you as much as as soon as I can. Mm, Yeah, that's good. You know, there's a lot that we could really talk about and we've talked about a lot. And just as we wrap up, do you have any takeaways for our listeners or those who will view this? Um, Absolutely. Well, Dave, you mentioned so beautifully, you explained that the 
Bible is sufficient. And I think we just really need to end on that note that we don't need to go outside the Bible to find some hidden secret wisdom. It's not there, except for the devil trying to make us believe that through yoga, we can unlock some secret that we can't get through the Bible. And that's just a big old lie. Uh, The devil told that to Eve and look what happened as a result. There is no hidden secret wisdom. There is no hidden secret. God has the scroll open in the Bible. And we pray that you will read the Bible every single day, that you will study it, go to good commentaries, read Dave's book about reading the Bible and pray for the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to you. And that's where you'll find everything you're looking for. Amen, friend. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on today, Doreen, as always. And I'm thankful for all that the Lord is doing in and through you. God bless you too for your ministry. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.